Good morning and Merry Christmas. Welcome to worship here at Springfield Church of the Brethren. Apologies, we were having some technical issues. It seems that the computer, like many of us, was having a hard time getting going this morning in the cold. Anyway, welcome to worship here. I'm so glad to have you all here joining us in person and those who are joining us online, having you here to worship together. Christmas doesn't fall on Sunday that often, and it's, it's a joy to be able to do this together. Don't worry, those who have presents under the tree. The Grinch is already back in his hole and will not be stealing them while you're here today. In fact, she's right over there. <laughs> Thank you to those who wore their fun Christmas things. My, my fun Christmas thing is my, my new Christmas llama tie. Because why not? Llamas. Every three years, there is a cycle in which we are supposed to read the entire Bible. It's called the Common Lectionary or the Revised Common Lectionary. And the three years are designed around Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which of course means one year John doesn't get. Well, I wanted to work through John this year, but of course John does not have a nativity story whatsoever. So I was thinking about it. You see, there's also these four animals that are always associated with the, the evangelists, the writers of the Gospels. For instance, Luke is a winged bull or a, an oxen. And you might have noticed last year as we worked through Luke, all of the background pictures I used for the videos and for the screens was an ox. John is an eagle for many reasons, but a big part of it is John, like an eagle in the sky, doesn't seem to concentrate on any of the little things, but rather the big picture, understanding who this Christ is, that he's not merely man, but God. So I thought as we were doing Christmas, that we would, like John, take a step back and look at the stories of those around the Christmas tale. And so, as we move through and we move up the Advent ladder, I made a little Advent ladder up here, and move ever closer to Christ, we contemplate how each of these characters that appear in the Nativity story might have understood what was going on around them. From the bewilderment of Joseph from the Magi not understanding why everyone can't see what's before their eyes, to the acceptance found by the shepherds, by the courage found by Mary. So as we enter in this time and we have lots of carols to sing, I'll invite you to remain seated as we sing today, but to think about what it would be like. And, and I'll... I'll I always try to stick as close as I can to what I can factually find about the Bible, but I also had to create a lot to make this work today. So please don't go out here and, and be saying, oh, it was like this, unless it's pretty obvious that I'm taking something straight from the Bible. I'm, I'm building out their color just a little. I usually work with my hands. I shape stone and wood bending, cutting, carving, joining, and whatnot. 
I take some of God's creation and I transform it and make it into something that will provide protection from the elements, that'll provide comfort to the tired or make the work of the day perhaps a little easier. More often than not, my work is straightforward. I like that, building and repairing houses. It's easy, but it's also engaging. I like solving those little problems, finding just the right stone or carving a plank in just the right way. Sometimes I get special orders. I get to spend a little extra time with my work decorating it. I like putting on animals and plants. I like to reflect on the creation of God in my creation. My, my hero is actually Bezalel. You may not know of him, but he's the guy who, who shaped the Ark of the Covenant and many of the furnitures and the tools used by the priest in the ancient days. I know his work has long been since lost, but I can see his influence in our, our temple that we've built since. Perhaps one day my own work will bring such glory to God, make people raise their eyes towards heaven in awe of God's wonder. But for now, I'm preparing for a new job, a new work, one expected and, well, not the way I thought it was going to happen. Soon, I'll be a dad, so I've been told, sort of. My, my betrothed, Mary, and by a messenger of God, I've been informed that this child that she is carrying is special. It isn't mine, but was created by God. Well, okay, all children are created by God. It, it's different. It's Holy Spirit. I don't get it. But I understand it will be a God's new masterpiece, one for all of us. I don't know about you, but man, talk about pressure. I've already been anxious to be a dad, scared and excited. I, I, I've reflected on what my father told me. He said that children are like wood and stone. You see, when you work with wood and stone, when you put it on your workbench and you want to make something beautiful, you can't force it into the shapes you want. I have to follow how the material was created. I do not create the shape of the ram in the wood. God put the ram in there. I'm just uncovering it. I cannot, a child cannot be forced into one shape or into another. To do so, Father tells me, will create a twisted person. Instead, my father taught me that each child is a person created by God, and it's my job as a father, just as it is as a carpenter, to coax out the beauty and to buff away the sharp edges. How am I to do this with a child who is created directly by God? I, I don't know. I'll do my best. I'll treat him as if he were my own. I'll teach him the lessons that were handed down to me about finding the simplest solutions to complex problems, about selecting the best tools and materials for each job you come across, about being honest with those you work for and with, about shaping stone and wood, 
and others. Perhaps I will never carve stonework for the temple, but maybe my work with my child will help point people in the right direction. Perhaps my work will bring him, my work with him will bring everlasting glory to God. I do not understand how they didn't see the signs. I mean, they were living among them. It would be easier to miss a camel standing in front of you than the signs of the change. I'm sorry, camels are on my mind. I have spent far too much time on them as of late. The deprivations of life on the road are not what I am used to. I would rather be sitting in my chair reading manuscripts with a, maybe a bit of tea, specially brought from the Far East, than these endless hours of dust, heat, cold, and the ever-present smell of camel. <sighs> I fear that when I return home that this smell will never fully leave my nostrils. The only saving grace of this journey are the conversations with my colleagues, and even after these months, I have to say they are not quite so fun anymore, but also the excitement of finding our goal. It started a couple months ago. We were doing our nightly observations of the heavens, looking for uh, insights into what would happen through the movements of the stars when Ahura Mazda revealed great happenings in the house of Judah. Oh, I forgot. You guys don't know who Ahura Mazda is. He is the wise Lord, the creator of all, who teaches the threefold path of good thoughts, good words, and good deeds, who commands us to keep our hearts and ways charitable, who exhorts that we should be good for the sake of being good and not for reward. Though we Zoroastrians have not proven so, I firmly believe that Ahura Mazda is that same God with the unspoken name who has walked with Judah since time immemorial. As we have seen the wise Lord take care of the Jews through their history and the movements of the stars. Now, back to my story. As I said, the stars told us of a new king that had been born in the house of Judah. And not just a new king, one of special consequence. We and the Jews have had a long and friendly relationship. And since Ahura Mazda deigned the birth of special importance as to move these stars, we thought it only proper that we should come and pay our respects to this new king. So we formed an expedition, gathered supplies, porters, guides, and gifts for this princeling. We traveled from our land westward through the lands that were once ruled over by the empire of our ancestors, the Persians, once and also ruled by the groups like the Babylonians and the Syria, as well as many others. Till at last, we reached the ancient city of Jerusalem, but we were perplexed. Where are the banners? Where are the crowds singing for joy? Did these people not care about this new king? So we went to the palace to pay homage, and their king, King Herod, was confused, even upset. He denied that a new child had been born in his family. 
On reflection, this makes sense. After all, he is of the house of Esau, not of Judah. He gathered his scholars, and they reported that a child, uh, the child who would be called the anointed one of the Jews would be born in the hometown of an ancient king who had been said to have brought it, um, their nation into a golden age, a town called Bethlehem, the house of bread. So now we are headed there. South, on these malodorous artidactylas, at last we are reaching the apex of this quest, and the town is thankfully not far. Why could these scholars of Jerusalem, those who are so quick to find out the location of this birth, not see the very signs in the sky, why were they so apprehensive at our news? Perhaps, perhaps this baby changes, represents a bigger change than simply a new monarchical line. Why would Ahura Mazda hide this knowledge from the child, from the people he would rule? There are so many mysteries to uncover here. Perhaps ones that even our esteemed company could not comprehend in this life. For now, we will go find this child. We will honor him the creator of all things, who has revealed his existence. Has, um, has, I say, the creator of all things has revealed his existence, so we will go and recognize and honor him. Onward, camel. It was a night like any other. Me and the other shepherds had gathered here, the herd and set the watch. It was a cold night, so we lit the fires for our, warm our food. We're going to have to send someone back to the town soon to refill the bags. Not my turn. I don't like going down there. I don't like the noise. I don't like the crowds, the hustle, the bustle. I don't like people who turn their noses up at me. I get it. I smell like sheep. Guess what I sleep with every night? Even worse are the people who don't look at me purposefully, like I'm not even worth their energy. Uh, I know. I like it out here. It's easier. I know who the dangerous ones are. I know the watch out for bears and wolves and snakes and bandits. I may not always like the guys I work with, but I know they'll protect me, and I will protect them. I know my purpose to keep the sheep safe, to keep them healthy. They know me, and I know each of them. Sure, some of them are pains in the backside, but they are honest little things. Judah will always be at the back. Adah will always be at the front. Aliyah will get stuck in every bush between here and where we are going, and Miriam will bite you if you give her the chance. Anyway, I like sheep. They are who they are, and they don't lie, they don't judge. As I was saying, it was cold, it was also clear. I could lie on my back and look at the beauty of the night sky. I know who God is, I go and I worship him, I hand over my sacrifices every year to those sanctimonious priests. I don't spend a lot of time thinking about God, though. There's no time for daydreaming here in the wilderness. 
But on nights like this, I can't help but think of him, him who created these stars, all things, even smelly, dirty me. But those stars, they are really beautiful. But then it happened. I thought I had gone blind. The sky lit up like a hundred lightning flashes. <coughs> All at the same time. I thought the world was going to come to an end. I nearly soiled myself. I'm pretty sure Simeon did. Then a creature appeared in the light. It's hard to describe. Like a person but not a person, like a being made of something I can't, I don't know, like light, but not. I jumped to my feet, and then I noticed the weirdest thing. The sheep, who I expected to run like crazy, were not bothered in the least. They looked up at this thing in the sky as if it was a bird. All the same. I was about to run. Then this thing said, do not be afraid. I don't know why, but I suddenly felt safe, like when Mama used to hug me after a nightmare. Then the being said, I bring you good news that all will cause, that will cause great joy for all people. For in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in the manger. Then the sky was filled with other creatures, and they began to sing glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those whose favor his, and on whom his favor rests. And then they disappeared as suddenly as they had appeared, and all was dark, and all was still. I had to go. <coughs> I couldn't stay still. I and Simeon and all of the others jumped to our feet, and we ran to Bethlehem. It was pretty close, though honestly, I don't even remember the run, just that all of a sudden I found myself opening some random door and walking into a small house. <clears throat> it was open, and inside was a newborn, wrapped, just as we were told, lying in a sheep's feeding trough. A very surprised mother and father stared at us, and I don't blame them. A bunch of smelly, wild men bursting into your sleeping space just after your wife gave birth. I'm thankful the guy didn't, like, start beating us. Instead, they just watched us with curiosity and some understanding as we began to break out in ecstatic singing and dancing. Then we fell to our faces, we worshipped this little bundle, and then we started heading back to our camp, loudly celebrating and shouting to all who would have heard, of all who could hear of what we had seen. I now understand. <coughs> Excuse me. I now understand that the creatures we saw were God's messengers, the angels. I also know now that God sent this child not just for the pretentious priest or those stuck-up rich people in town, but for me, 
my friends, for the smelly, ill-tempered, antisocial me, God has not only made the beautiful stars to look at, but has sent one for me. Please excuse my coughs today. Um, I've been reading to Gracie a lot, and apparently my voice is just hitting its limits, how much I can talk. Unfortunately, I have a job where I talk a lot. <laughs> yeah. My wish was simple. I wanted a husband that provided and loved me and my children. I had no aspirations beyond this. Look, I, I don't begrudge those women who wanted something different, who wanted to be married to someone wealthy or important, to, to hold fancy dinners and whatnot. It just wasn't me. I wanted the simple life, a simple life with a simple and kind man. And Joseph was everything I wanted, stable, devout, kind, and the bonus of him being able to, well, make anything or repair anything, that was wonderful. Then that angel came. It told me that I was favored, that I would soon be carrying the Son of God. I didn't want it at first, I, but what choice did I have? I wanted the Messiah to come, as, as every one of us do, but I didn't expect him to come for me and without a man. I followed the angel's advice. I went to see my elderly cousin, Elizabeth, and despite knowing and um, despite knowing that she was carrying a child, I was still surprised to find her pregnant. That's when my heart stirred, as if there was some part of me that I had kept quiet, um, high, uh, that I had kept quietly closed, something with locks that had been smashed off, and I sang. I sang of God's true justice, of salvation, of promise. I sang, my soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of this servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering uh, to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever and ever, just as he promised our ancestors. It was like a part of me that as a small child that had listened to the heroines of our history had been opened again. They, those women, they were not always the strongest or the smartest or even the most beautiful, except maybe Esther. They were mostly like me, women who just wanted simple lives, women who just walked in faith. Now I sit here with my son, Jesus. They call him son of God. He is small. He is perfect. 
His mouth is pursed the way my mother does whenever she is scouring an extra dirty pot. It's hard to imagine that he will perform the wonders that burst from my chest as song. But somehow I know. Still, I wish for my own and his sake that he may find a simple life. That he will find happiness in family and friends. Though I know his path will not be easy. I know what happens to Messiahs. For now, he can stay my perfect little boy. Life won't be exactly as I had planned. But I am glad to play my part as God will lead us to the glory of the promises he made long ago. I received some pushback when I wrote my story about Jesus. I mean, everyone had read Mark and Matthew's versions and Luke's versions, and they liked them, and I, I get it. I like them, too. But they looked at mine and said, well, we know why Mark didn't do the nativity. Why didn't you? Well, I get why everybody likes them. They like hearing about Joseph, the, the father who... Who, who didn't know what he was getting into, but had hope that he would do a good job. We, we heard about, you know, we like hearing about the, the, the magi, these foreigners, these heathens who, who understood that something bigger was happening, something that would bring peace to all the earth. We like hearing about the joy of the shepherds who, who come down out of the mountains to celebrate. We like hearing about the love of a mother for her newborn baby. But we so often miss the point that what was happening was bigger than a simple baby being born, that it was the Spirit of God, the Word of God, the part of God that was there ever since the beginning. The Word of God was there. Part of God, separate from God, part of all creation, who came from the stars, from the heavens beyond to live here. And so that's where I started my story. To remind us that, yes, he was born human, who had a father and a mother who loved him. He was born important, that those who were learned and those who were ignorant came to know who he was from the beginning. But he was something more, that he was God. God incarnate, God from beyond the cosmos edge to come and live in this world with us. I wish you a Merry Christmas as we come together to celebrate a baby who is wholly human and wholly God. May your spirits be filled with hope, with peace, with joy, with love. 
and with the knowledge that Christ's child, the Son of God, who is God, has come for you and me and all of creation. May we celebrate together. Merry Christmas. God has become flesh. God has taken on living a life like ours to show us the way, the Logos incarnate. Have a Merry Christmas, knowing that there is a little baby born for every one of us. Amen and Merry Christmas.